Father, we thank you for this time that we get to learn, look at these parables. I pray that you would give us um, some wisdom and guidance as we um, look at your truth, that we look at um, what, the gospel a little bit in depth here. And we just thank you and praise you for everything you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you can turn to Mark 4, 21. We're going to be looking at 21 through 29 today. These parables um, kind of come together. They kind of fit well together. Um, one of them, you'll notice, and verse 24 through 25 should be very familiar to you, um, at least the idea of them. Um, the parables that come previous to this is the parable of the sower. We looked at that uh, intensely a while back in Matthew, but here it is in Mark, and that parable again is... Uh, the one who throws the seed, and the seed gets on different soils, whether it's the path, the rocky ground, the thorns, or the good soil. Um, and depending on that soil depends on uh, what is produced. And so the soil represents the hearts of man. Some of us are, some men are like the path, some like the rocky ground, the thorns, and then you have the good soil. And it says in verse 20, but, that, but those that were sown on good soil, as um, Jesus is explaining this parable, uh, are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And then let's just read our parable that we'll be in first. Verse 21, and he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, he is talking to the disciples here, and verse 10 says, And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve disciples asked him about the parables. And so he's explaining the parables to them, and then he goes off onto this one. And he kind of transitions from the soils to our role in sharing the gospel. And so my first point is the shining good news. The thing is, a hidden light serves no purpose. Um, this is kind of rhetorical. Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand, the point of the lamp was that it was supposed to illuminate the room. And so if you put it under a basket, that would defeat the purpose of the lamp. And so he's basically saying everyone knows the answer to this. No one has to actually ask um, if people do this. Everyone knows. No, you don't do that. You have a light to expose the darkness. And as us, as believers, that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be light in darkness. The gospel is light in a dark world. And so we are supposed to be like that light. We shouldn't be hidden. We shouldn't be put under a basket. We should be exposed to the world, light and dark. Because light does expose sin. This is the light of the Word of God, it exposes sin in people's lives. And he kind of mentions this, right? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. When we read the Word of God, it exposes sin in our lives, and hopefully we change our behavior and we become more and more bright, more and more and more Christ-like. 
Um, but in a dark world, that's a lot of times why people don't like the Word of God, because it exposes sins in their lives. They don't want to conform to His image, and so they reject the gospel going further into darkness. But in a grander scheme of things, um, at the end times, um, when we all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, right? Everything, everything small, big, every little thought we had in our minds, every little thing we did in the darkness will come to light. Nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except for to come to light. One day we will stand before the light. We will stand before God and everything will be made manifest. And I was thinking about this because the light is inherently shining. Like, that is the purpose of the light. It is meant to shine forth. Um, We light a lamp so that it shines. It's supposed to be bright. Um, As us as believers, we should be bright. That should be the default mode for us, that we are a shining people in a dark world. Um, And I was kind of thinking um, just about a simple flashlight. Um, When you turn it on, if it turns on right, I shine the flashlight usually when it's dark out, and I do it for the purpose to bring light to a dark place. That is the purpose of the light when I have it. Um, And that's what we're supposed to be. At some point in our life, the light should turn on. We have Christ in us, and we should be shining bright in dark places. Um, And again, our light comes through him who saved us, and that is Christ. We should be beacons of his grace. I was kind of thinking of Galatians here, Galatians 2.20, right? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. Um, They shouldn't see Caden Prince anymore. They should see that my old self is gone and the new has come, right? Christ in me. Uh, That is why Peter implores his readers, right? Be holy as God is holy. That is our call. Because people should see our good works. They should see Christ in us and see that light and be drawn to that light. And the whole thing is, if you have ears to hear, um, verse 23, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. If you remember in the parables, he starts speaking in parables because some will hear and some won't. Some will accept him and some won't. And we're going to move on to the next parable here, which is he transitions right into verse 24 and said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Notice what he does. If you have ears to hear, and then he says, pay attention to what you hear. Um, We need to be on guard. Um, But this should be super familiar to you, because we talked about this last week. Last week. Last month. That's how my month's gone. It's gone quick. Last month we talked about this. With the parable of the talents, if you go to chapter 28, or, well, Mark, if you go to Matthew 28, get my thoughts together this morning. Uh, 28, 19. 
25. 28. <laughs> that one hour of sleep really did me. <laughs> All right. Matthew 25, 28. All right, so take the talent from him and give to him who has the ten talents. For everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. You can see that it's a very similar theme. Those who have, more will be given. Those who have not, um, even what they have will be taken away. And so it has that same idea as we talked about um, so the, my next big point is going to be the sharing of good news. Uh, that is, we will be rewarded. But we are supposed to be sharing. And the question is, what do we do with the good news? What do we do with that light that has been given to us? He says, with the measure you use it. And always the question has to be, are we using it? Um, are we using the things that God has given us to glorify him? Uh, again, we are called to use our gifts, whether it's evangelizing, it's teaching, it's serving in various capacities. Um, all these things God has given to us to use for His glory. And so we need to be those who use. And in so doing, we'll make disciples. That's where my Matthew 28, 19 was supposed to come into play. Uh, Matthew 28, right? Uh, make disciples. That's what we are called to do and therefore glorifying God. And again, it's always getting back. Am I being a lamp? Am I being a light to this world? I was thinking about that. I was thinking about, again, Matthew 5. Um, Pastor Bill preached about this a while ago now. 5.15. I'll start at 13. Matthew 5.13. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste... How shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I hope you see the use in that. You are light of the world. Let your light shine before others. Let your good works. Um, these are things that we are supposed to be, a light to the world, to share the glory of God, the good news of Christ Jesus. That is what we are called to do. We're supposed to, as he says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. Um, people should see Christ in you. When they look at you, they shouldn't have to wonder if something is different with you. It should be inherently obvious that something is different in you. And they should be attracted to that thing um, that is in you, and that is Christ. And one of the things I, thoughts I had with this is if good works give God glory, what do bad works do in our lives? What does sin do in our lives? And I was thinking about it again with my little lamp here, my lamp. And I was thinking what happens when sin covers this light? And here you can kind of see, it's hard, there's so many lights around here. 
And I was thinking sin's kind of like something that covers that light. And even though you can still see that the light is here and still shining a little bit, that sin has affected the shine in your life. And then maybe you have even more sin, a bad thought that kind of creeps in and continues to fester. And then you have more and more sin until eventually... Sometimes people can get to the point where they have so much sin covering their life that they don't even look like they're shining at all. They look just like the world, which is completely dark. And so we need to be careful that we are those people who live our lives for God, that we have faith in Him, that we are obedient to His will, that we are those who do good works in this life so people see our good works And it's not just so they look at us and say, oh, what a great man. He does all these great things. The point of those is what? To give glory to your Father who is in heaven so that people see Christ in you. It's something that we need to be remembering today in communion, right? If you're that person who has a lot of sin covering your light, um, be careful on how you take communion this morning. Make sure you ask and seek forgiveness, repentance from God, and turn from that sin uh, and turn again to Christ. So that's the sharing. We should be those who share. Our life should be a sharing of the gospel just by the way we live our life. And we should be sharing it as well. So that's the sharing and the receiving. It says to those who back in our text here. With the measure uh, you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. I won't spend too much time here because, again, we did talk about with this the parable of the talents. God gives us gifts. He's given us the gospel first and foremost, but he gives us the gifts to use. And the more we use it, the more he gives to us, the more he is glorified, the more he gives to us, the more we use it, the more he is glorified, and so on and so forth. And then ultimately our greatest reward will be when we are with him one day in heaven. And so the last parable I'm going to be talking about today is the parable of the seed growing, and that is the source of good news. Verse 26, And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in a sickle, because the harvest has come. Notice the and he said, so this is a continual thought, which is why I put these parables together, and we've kind of dealt with similar topics to these ones as well, through the other parables. But verse 21, right? And he said to them, Verse 24, and he said to them, and then verse 26, and he said to them, and even verse 30, and he said to them. And so these are a sequence of parables in which Jesus is illustrating different aspects of sharing the good news of Christ. 
So, and again, Andy said to them, the kingdom of God. So we always need to note that that is the sphere in which he is talking about. He is talking about the kingdom of heaven, of God. And he says, it's as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. And so the first thing is God uses man to be evangelists in this world. We are God's vessels to be used by him. It is this man who scatters the seed on the ground. And I should say there's a little bit of debate. I don't know, I was reading the commentaries. I love it when they go back and forth between whether this is Jesus or whether this is man here. Because on one hand, it makes sense that this would be man as the evangelist. And then it also makes sense that he sleeps and he rises night and day. But in the end, it gets a little confusing and we'll look at it. When it says, but when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in a sickle because the harvest has come. And that's kind of something we picture Jesus as doing. But on the other hand, if it was Jesus, it's kind of interesting that um, he is sleeping and rising night and day. And so there was a little bit of a interpretative challenge to that. I see this as man who scattered seas as the evangelist, and I'll get to the end. I'll explain that later. All right, so so God uses man, and again, he uses us to share his word, and ultimately it's a work from him, but I was thinking of 1 Corinthians and I'm kind of sorry for those who have been studying 1 Corinthians in Sunday school, but we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 3, 6. Very briefly, it says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. I mean, you can keep a little note there. We'll be going back and forth between these two, right? I planted, Apollos watered. This is God using these men to affect the lives of people for his kingdom, for his glory, And the interesting thing is, looking at these, is we aren't called to force the plant to grow or take root. When you look at the parable, what does he do? The man scatters seed on the ground. And then what does he do? He sleeps and he rises night and day. And the seed seed sprout and grow, and he knows not how. Um, It is not our duty to force that plant to grow. Our duty is to spread the seed, the word of God. We trust God for the growth. And we can do a lot of things to the plant. We can water it. um, We can feed it. We can take out any bushes that might be blocking the sun from it. We can take out the weeds from it. And this can be, and that is basically discipling, right? It's teaching, it's studying with people, it's exhorting them, it's rebuking them at times, it's having that fellowship with people, it's praying with people. These are all things um, that we can do um, to help it grow, but we cannot make it grow. It's us carrying on with our normal business, night and day, teaching, rebuking, exhorting, and we watch as God makes the plants grow. And we should be amazed at the growth. Sometimes we aren't amazed at it, or at least in my life, I can say. Uh, We need to stop and see the work that God is doing in our lives and in the lives of other people. It kind of sees that, right? He knows not how. It's a mystery to him. It's a wonder to him how these things grow. Uh, 
Uh, a plant growing is a miracle. I was thinking about, and I was thinking, a transformed life is also a miracle. And there's a certain amount of mystery to it. We know that it's the power of God, but I was thinking about someone radically coming to Christ. That Sometimes you see people and they really are in a dark place. Um, they themselves are, you might think of them as a dark person, and they get radically saved. And their life, right, the old has passed away and the new has come. And you see that transition, and we know it's the power of God, but there's still a little bit of a mystery there, a miracle there, that God takes this person from being this thing to something radically new, and that glorifies him. Paul would be a prime example of a miracle, right? He goes from persecuting um, to being a Christian himself. And as I was thinking about the fact that a transformed life is a miracle, I was also thinking about how the transforming life is a miracle. Um, That is us being continually transformed into the image of Christ. The miracle doesn't just stop when we come to Christ. It continually is applied in our lives. It's amazing how... Wake up in the morning, I'll do my devotions, and I learn something new every single day. I mean, that is quite amazing. I'm reading the same exact book every single day. And sometimes I'll do a study, like on these parables, and then a few weeks later I'll read the parable in my devotions, and I like learn something new. And I'm like, how does that happen? I spent hours studying it, and I didn't even think about this aspect of that parable. Um, that is a miracle in itself, that God reveals these truths to us as we study his word, as we live his word out in our lives. And we need to be appreciative of those miracles. Again, I kind of mentioned that with the testimonies, right? The testimony isn't just that God saved you at one point in time. It's that he's continually working in your life as you become more and more Christ-like. So, God uses man, but God also produces the results. When you look at this, right? What the man does, he scatters the seed, he sleeps, and he rises night and day, but the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not. And that says, the earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. It is God who works in our lives. Back in our uh, 1 Corinthians 3.6, right? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. And then verse 7. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but God who gives the growth, right? It is God who works in our lives to give us that growth. And notice how the growth is a gradual thing. It doesn't go from a seed to a full grain, It goes from a blade, then an ear, then a full grain. And that is the Christian life, right? As we go through this life, the exciting thing is that I don't know everything about the Bible, that I don't know everything about living for God. As I live for him, I'm slowly learning how to be more and more conformed into his image. And that's an exciting thing. Um, I was talking to someone, and I was saying sometimes feel like 
everyone should just know everything about the Bible, but the exciting thing is that we don't know really every we don't know really anything about the Bible. The more you know, the more you don't know, which is the exciting part because it's an endless study of knowing God's word and applying it to your life. All right, so again, the farmer can't, when you're looking at this, the farmer can spread the seed, but what is going to make it grow? The earth, and it produces it by itself. So that farmer can't force anything to grow, much like the evangelist can't regenerate the soul. And we need to keep that in mind because when we're witnessing and we're preaching the good news to people and maybe someone doesn't accept it, that's not your fault. Uh, Your duty is to preach the good news, to throw the seeds as best you can and then watch as God does the work. Now that doesn't neglect us from just doing nothing. It doesn't mean we shouldn't do anything. Going about our normal business, we should be uh, teaching, studying, exhorting, rebuking, having that fellowship, prayer, meeting with people, um, continually preaching the gospel to them, um, but then pray for them and let God do the work in their lives. And as I was thinking about a Christ-like transformation, I was thinking how comforting that should be to us. Um, Because I like YouTube in some ways, right? I like to learn a lot of things. So I watch some YouTube videos. And people have a lot of ways in which they want to transform your life, whether it's health, like physical training, um, all these different mental attitudes that you can have or whatever, whatnot. And I was thinking about them, and they're all so earthly focused Um, it's you know be transformed by a certain person and his teaching a certain place that you need to go to a certain thing you need to have a certain activity you need to do certain amount of weight you need to lose whatever it might be Um, it's also earthbound transformation but we have a transformation that is unearthly Um, So, unearthly that when we come to Christ, we become exiles, aliens, sojourners in this world, as Peter puts it, longing for the eternal kingdom, which is undefiled, imperishable, and waiting for us. Um, There should be a certain amount of uh, hope, a gratitude that we have that our transformation is from Christ himself. And finally, we get to the last portion, which is God gives man some benefit. He says, but when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in his sickle because the harvest has come. And we kind of talked about it a little bit last month, but um, he puts in his sickle, that is, he sends forth the sickle. It's a figure of speech to kind of send forth the reapers. The harvest is ready. The time has come. In this world, we do get some benefits through Christ. We get a lot. First of all, we're going to get eternal life with him. Therefore, we have good works. But as we do good here on this earth, right, 
With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. We long for um, everything to come in the next life. But turn to Galatians real quick. Or actually, let's do 1 Corinthians again, 3.12. 1 Corinthians 3.12. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though himself will be saved, but only as through fire. And so we are longing, right? We do all these things because we want to glorify God, but on top of that, too, there is a reward, right? We do our best for him for the life to come. And so... Uh, we want to be living our lives for him, for his glory, and we will be rewarded for that. All right, so in conclusion, the gospel is a shining light in the hearts of man if they have ears to hear. And we have the responsibility to live that gospel out and to share it with others with all confidence, knowing that the source of that good news is found in Christ Jesus Himself, who is our Lord and Savior. And so with that, let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time that we've had to come together and look at, uh, real briefly, these three parables. There's a lot more in here that could be said, but I pray that we had a better perspective of the gospel Um, seeing that it should be apparent in our lives that we know you, that we are living our lives for you, and that we should be sharing that good news, that our lives should be a beacon of hope to this world, and that we constantly remember that the source of that is found in you. We just thank you and praise you for everything you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen.